This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Cullum. This week, you are in for a treat as I sit down with Johnny Erickson Tata to discuss ways she bolsters her faith or, quote, stokes her hope in the midst of chronic pain and intense suffering. It is powerful to hear Johnny recite great hymns of our faith and why they mean so much to her. I have no doubt you'll be singing along by the end and likely smiling from ear to ear as you connect with our Father through the conversation that I have with Johnny. For those of you who prefer to watch while you listen, you can now follow along on YouTube. Search Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber to watch today's conversation with Johnny or to be notified of upcoming episodes. Good afternoon, Johnny, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Oh, good to be with you, Amber, and of course, all your followers, and I'm honored that you're having me on. Absolutely. I am delighted um, to have this conversation. We were chatting a little bit over our common friend, Vanitha, who has been on the show as well. And so, um, yeah, I'm just glad to share your wisdom with our listeners. So let's not waste too much time. Okay. I want to ask you, having lived as a quadriplegic for over 50 years, how, I know, how would you say, and I know this is a loaded question, that your perspective of suffering and our suffering Christ has changed, evolved, um, whatever term you would like to put there in the last 50 years? Oh, Amber, it certainly has changed. Um, I think all of our listeners could probably repeat by heart Romans uh, chapter 4 verse 15 where it says that we've got a savior who's been tested and tempted Mm -hmm. in every way like we are tested and tempted and because of that we know that he empathizes with us yeah and that that idea is very encouraging to think that uh, we've got a savior who resonates with us who gets it he identifies with us we take great comfort knowing that he feels our pain yeah but Amber even in that it, 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 it's a little self-focused, isn't it? Like, <laughs> oh, how wonderful that Jesus understands me, that he knows me. He, he gets what I'm going through. He gives me strength to keep me moving forward. It's all about me. Mm. Well, there comes a time after you have suffered a long while when you realize that your afflictions are not primarily about you. Mm. Instead, they help you identify and resonate with Christ. Your afflictions help you appreciate him and the pain he went through. Your afflictions open your eyes to all that his suffering accomplished on the cross. Your hardships make Jesus come alive, seem so much more beautiful. His graces, he, his gospel, so much more lovely, so much more excellent. It's all about him. Mm. And I cannot, I cannot explain to you where or when that transition occurred. But when it did, Amber, the capacity in my heart for the joy of the Lord just just was knocked wide open. It was like, suddenly I got it. Oh, Jesus, it's not all about me. 
even though you've dealt with me significantly in my pain. Mm -hmm. And yes, I appreciate that you pour out your comfort to me when I hurt. And yeah, I get it that you feel the sting in your chest when when I hurt and that you mm -hmm. groan when I sigh. But Jesus, I'm learning about you. My afflictions are teaching me about you and what you suffered on your cross. And, and that really increases one's capacity for joy. Mm. I just wish I could pinpoint exactly when or where that happened. But for the, for the person who suffers chronically, mm. whether it's a, in a difficult marriage all your life or yeah. a disabled child that you've got to care for for decades, um, there comes a time when you realize, wow, this is teaching me so much about Jesus. Wow. So much about what he went through on my behalf. So I think that's how my view of suffering has changed. Mm. That's so powerful because actually, even in a conversation where I was talking to someone about marriage, she said, I think that was the part I was missing for a while was the suffering Christ. Mm -hmm. That was the part that I had not really identified with until I experienced what I did. And so well, well there you go. Yeah, very much so. Well, when it comes to spiritual disciplines and practices, hopefully as followers of Christ, we're all growing in those. But as someone who is a sufferer, what are some of those consistent rhythms um, that you would say have become kind of anchors for you in your faith walk? Well, I know that my spirit becomes restless mm -hmm. unless I'm memorizing some new portion of scripture. Mm. because I need it so much in the right. middle of the night at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'm paralyzed. My pain wakes me up. And often I'll thank God. I think you are asking too much of me here. Yeah. I don't think I can do this. I don't know what you're thinking when you're allowing this to happen because I, I can't do this. Yeah. So I, I need anchors that really keep my emotions uh, from dragging me down that dark path to depression. And so I memorize scripture. Um, so, uh, Psalm 50, verse 10, my comfort in suffering is this, your promises renew my life. Ooh. That really encourages me. And so then I recount God's promises or Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, verse eight, though I am hard pressed on all sides, I will not be crushed. That's a good promise. And also Psalm 46, my God is my ever present help in, in, in every trouble. And, and aside from memorizing scripture, and probably your followers know this, but I, I also memorize stanzas of great hymns of the faith. Yeah. And often at night, my prayer is, uh, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of your loving heart. Thou hast bid me gaze upon thee, and thy beauty fills my soul. For by thy transforming power, you're, you're making me whole. Mm. That's the way I keep my heart busy with whatsoever things are good, right, pure, true, praiseworthy, oh, noble. I mean, you amen. gotta do it. You gotta when when you when you talked about daily disciplines and rhythms, uh, mm -hmm. that's it, memorizing scripture and cams. But I will add, next year in 2023, we'll will mark 18 years that my husband Ken and I will be reading through the Bible again chronologically. Mm -hmm. We've been doing it for 18 years and we love it. Just this morning, we were, uh, we were in the book of Acts. 18 and already, years. Wow. Already Ken is saying, you know, Johnny, I can't wait till January 1st till we start back in Genesis. And our prayer is always, God, show us something about Jesus in these pages. Show us where Jesus is hidden. Show us the whispers and hints and omens 
of, mm. of the Savior's blood in these pages. And it's a, it's a great thing to do uh, every single year. So there's a good rhythms for me. I love that you say you're ready to start back in Genesis because yeah. I haven't, I've not done it that long. Um, and I haven't done it consistently. My husband's, I think in year five of going through uh, the Bible in a year, every year. But for me, I'm always like, whew, I'm glad I'm in, I'm glad I'm out of the prophets for a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm you know, like, you fi- you fi- honestly, I'm okay. Amber, we're going to take a detour here. Yeah, that's you great. find <laughs> Jesus in the most amazing places in the Old Testament. For instance, you might be, your listeners might be familiar with the story of uh, of the time that uh, God's people were going up to into war against the Canaanites and Sisera uh, mm-hmm. had escaped the battle and he hides in a nomad's tent. And that nomad just happened to be Yael who uh, yes. subdued him, put him to sleep and then drove a spike through the man's head, just <laughs> crushed him instantly that you're out gone, dead. Yep. And what a wonderful reference, an omen of Jesus Christ. Mm. Because in Genesis, we are told that although the serpent might bite the heel of the woman's seed, the woman's seed will crush his head. Mm. And there you got Yael fleshing that out right. uh, there in the book of Judges. She, I think it's Judges. She crushes uh, the enemy's head. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that just invigorates us as we read. Oh, Jesus, look at you. You're right there in that, that scripture. It's a little grotesque. It's a little gruesome. Um, somebody driving a spike through somebody's that's right. head. But man, that's what our Savior's going to do to our enemy. Yeah. I can't wait for that day. Well, and it is, that's the beauty of reading scripture from start to finish, because then we get the full story, right? We're able to make those connections. And that is only something that happens as you continue to read through the whole thing, because it's easy to read that one portion, right? And be like, what in the world is happening here? <laughs> well, everything contributes to the flow of redemptive history. Amen. It's just asking God to open your eyes and maybe pull out an occasional commentary to help you along your way. Absolutely. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Well, speaking of hymns, you've recently released the book, Songs of Suffering. 25 hymns and devotions for weary souls in which this part you write, the song must possess enough spiritual muscle to barge into my soul and shake awake a hopeful response. It must be a hymn whose lyrics raise me onto a different plane spiritually. Yep. Will you flesh that out for us a little bit and maybe a few examples? Okay, well... I suffer uh, from chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've got to keep, I've got to stoke my hope. I've got to keep my hopes bright. Mm. I've got to learn how to quote, rejoice in hope. 
as Romans 12, 12 says. So I make it my aim to enlarge my soul with these robust hymns, you know, to make it roomier, to make it bigger for Christ. Uh, suffering teaches me to you know, stretch my soul's capacity for my Savior. And hymns that convey an elevated, glorious, big view of God help bolster my hope. You know, yeah. like, um, like the, okay, here's a hymn that I will often pray to God. I'll say to God, oh, God, you're a mighty fortress. You're our bulwark, never failing. Yeah. Or I might say, oh, God, you you are immortal, invisible, God, only wise, in, in light, inaccessible, kid from our eyes. All praise we would render, oh, help me to see, tis only the splendor of light hideth thee. So that that's worship. And when worship is a sacrifice of praise in your suffering, you know, when your emotions try to drag you down in the other direction, Worship using robust, stalwart, rugged hymns that focus on a high, elevated view of God lift us onto a higher plane spiritually. And honestly, Amber, that's how I keep my hopes bright. Couldn't do it without those robust words of scripture and those rugged, wonderful hymns. Yeah, well, and do you enjoy learning a little bit of the backstory of hymns? Because I find that fascinating as well, right? Because so many of them were birthed out of intense pain. Absolutely. And uh, so many of those old hymns were written by people who suffer. Yeah. Or, or women who honestly were bedridden because of pain. I cannot believe how many people with disabilities wrote these amazing hymns. And that encourages me. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, I'm going to say a few names of hymns. And I want you to say the first few things that pop in your head. And these are a few that are featured in your book. Okay. It is well with my soul. Wow. Okay. When I sing those stanzas, it is well with my soul. When peace like a river. Um, to me, I think of suffering well. When you can sing, it is well with my soul when you're suffering, then, then you're suffering well. You're learning how to be in a very difficult place well. You're learning how to be miserable well. Mm -hmm. You're learning how to live with pain well. My soul may not be happy in the middle of great affliction, but it mm -hmm. is well. It is mm -hmm. at peace. It is at rest with Jesus. So it is well with my soul is not a happy praise of joyful worship and adoration. It is a steady, slow, solid, take a deep breath, exhale. Mm. God, it's hard. It is so hard, but my soul is at peace. Yes. So I think that's what comes to mind. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Well, you know, that one is an old uh, American Negro spiritual and my good friend, Billy Burnett, a tall yeah. African-American man, he, he was raised on the Jimmy Lynch farm in a little cabin in the corner of that uh, farm with wow. 11 brothers and sisters, a sharecropper's cabin. And he remembers as a 12-year-old chopping cotton with his mother. Uh, he was so excited. He said, Mommy, when do I get to go to the fields and chop cotton? Well, at 12 years of age, he told me after he was uh, in that field for just a few weeks, it was like, he looked out over the field of cotton he shared, and he saw the images of his elders shimmering in the heat, and they looked like ghosts, apparitions. And he, he, he stood up, wiped the sweat from his brow, and said to himself, is this my life? Am I, am I going to have to do this the rest of my life? Well, what encouraged him was the hymns that his mother, he called her Mama Teal, the hymns that Mama Teal would sing. And at the washboard back behind the cabin, he would tell me how he would sit on the edge of the cabin steps and listen to his mother saying, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And it bolstered his spirits then. And 
it bolsters his spirits now. Uh, my friend Billy went on to college, got an MBA degree from Pepperdine University, and served as our ministry's chief financial officer for uh, 12 years. Wow. And uh, God brought him far, but he still wow. hearkens to that beautiful spiritual word there when they crucified my Lord. It reminds him of Mama Teal and how much her, her testimony blessed him as a little child. Mm. I love that. Just that personalization immediately brings to mind my grandmother, Ooh. who she would hum. She would always be walking through the kitchen and everywhere, humming different hymns. And every now and then she would go into a chorus. And, you know, I mean, that is very much the melody of my childhood. And so some of those I learned from just listening to her um, hum various hymns. So that's great. Absolutely. So when I survey the wondrous cross. Oh, my goodness. There's a, there's a hymn whose stanzas provide great language for praising God, because each stanza focuses on Christ and on his cross and all that he accomplished. We're the whole, uh, we're the whole, uh, let me uh, edit realm? this office. But thank you. We're the whole realm of nature, mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. I mean, mm -hmm. that's such great prayerful language. Yeah. So if our friends listening are having trouble uh, when you're hurting, putting two sentences together in a prayer, when you're in a brain fog and, and can't seem to get the grammatical structure straight in your head, or you find your heart wandering in prayer, then make your hymnal, your prayer book. Yes. And, and turn to When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, all four stanzas, so powerful, so beautiful. And so rich with language for praise to God. Yeah. Well, and I, I love that you say that as well, because we were, I was interviewing someone yesterday and they said, you know, the Psalm is our teaching us how to pray. Right. And those are so many songs. It really does teach us so much about prayer because it is praise. It is Thanksgiving, but it is lament and it is presenting requests. And so it's all of those things combined. And I think we see that in hymns as well. Yeah, rich, good words, especially words of lament. Um, mm -hmm. Good scripture songs, hymns, psalms, of course, as you mentioned, psalms of lament. Uh, we are so quick to turn our frustrations into complaints, into mm -hmm. angry resentments. Uh, and we become very inward when we, when we do that. But instead, turn your heartbreak, your sorrow, your anguish, turn it Godward instead mm -hmm. of inward. And oh, what? Find a good psalm of lament or a good yeah. hymn like um, Come Ye Disconsolate. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal mm. and remind your soul of things that are true in the midst of your lament. Absolutely. Good call. Good, good point, Amber. Yeah. Well, let's finish with this one. When we all get to heaven. It's what I live for. I know. <laughs> you know, that glorious yes. day when Jesus Christ is going to be crowned king. He's going to sit on his throne. He's going to extend his kingdom of joy to the farthest corners of the cosmos. I mean, it's going to be that great day when, when tears and sorrow will be done away with and mm. evil will be banished and, and the devil and all of his nasty hordes will be thrown into the lake of fire. Amen. The day of Isaiah 51, when the redeemed shall enter Zion singing. The day of what? Isaiah 35, when lame people like me are going to leap for joy. Amen. Oh, but it, it, it's, it's not going to be the day of Johnny, even if I do That's gain right. a glorified body and a sin-free heart. When we all get to heaven, it's going to be all about Jesus. We're going to so yes. celebrate him. We're going to say, oh, Jesus, 
I was such a dog nasty sinner. And look at the way your mercy covered me. Oh, Jesus, I was so on the edge of complaining and grumbling in the midst of my afflictions, but you gave me grace. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to be yes. forever just blessing him for helping us get through with a smile. That's right. And it won't have to be forced, right? Like we will just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, a little bit of a shift here in the midst of breathing problems, breast cancer, chronic pain. How do you strengthen yourself with the example of Jesus in the upper room? Well, um, I think maybe we all know this, maybe we don't know this, but um, when, when Jesus was in the upper room, and I think it's in Matthew 26, it records a powerful moment. And it says that after they broke bed, um, after this, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, it says, they sang a hymn and then went out into the night. Mm. Whew, that gives me chills. Because right there, Jesus is our example. He's, he's teaching mm. us how to sing our way through suffering. Uh, as he was led off to his horrific death, there was mm. a hymn on his heart. And first Peter chapter two, verse 21 says to this, you were also called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And so we are following in the steps of our savior as he went to his cross with a hymn on his heart. Mm. And uh, that's recorded again in Matthew 26. And so can we not do the same? Yeah. Can we not daily pick up our cross and ask God to give us a worship song, a hymn on our hearts that will glorify him, mm -hmm. show him that we trust him and let others around us, like your mother humming, you know, walking through her grandmother, walking through the kitchen, I, just to let them know what we're thinking, even as we're in pain. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's just a wonderful way to glorify the Lord Jesus. It really is something too, where I think those daily rhythms and practices come in, right? Like sometimes it can become something that feels rote or routine, but that's really not what daily rhythms and practices are about. It's you do them so that when suffering does come, you have a full well to draw from. Absolutely. But let me just touch on something real quickly about what you sure. said about um, roteness, because honestly, Amber, there are times at night where I'm in such pain and I don't feel like praising God. I just don't feel like it. But yet when I make my mouth, when I force my mouth to say things that my heart might not be entirely behind, mm -hmm. even then I'm showing some small degree of obedience. Oh, yes. And in doing that, I think God rewards that step of faith, even though it's a mustard seed side bit of faith. You know, I'm just mouthing words of thanks. I really don't feel very thankful, Jesus. I only want to give thanks, but I'm going to do this. And as I do it, God gives the energy. God gives the strength, the, strength. the enablement. That's so often the way our faith is put into action. We don't feel yeah. like doing something, but as we step up to the barbells and put our hands around those barbells and lift them, at that instant, we take that step of faith and actually do something about our plight. God will infuse his grace yeah. and strength and mercy. So. Uh, he absolutely does. I mean, I've seen it time and time again. Well, let's close with this. The work you've done and the work that you continue to do really to improve the lives of those with disabilities through laws and just support and a whole host of things. You, you've said that people living with disabilities need more than just smooth sidewalks, lowered drinking fountains, and exit ramps. 
what else do they need? And how are you on the front lines of those efforts? Oh, great question. Well, because I'm in a wheelchair, because I know how hard affliction can be. Yeah. And, and I don't even know the half of it because most of the people that we serve at our ministry at Johnny and Friends, their suffering is far worse than mine will ever be. 90% of the world's disabled uh, live in developing nations and uh, their plight is desperate. And it breaks my heart mm. to think that the suffering they are going through now with their disability might only be a, a dark omen of worst suffering to come. Uh, we're suffering un unless they know Jesus Christ. Yeah. So people need Jesus, no matter what their condition, no matter what their age, no matter what their color or creed or disability or ability, they, they need Jesus. And I'm, I'm an Acts uh, chapter 20, verse 24 woman. I, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that, that the Lord Jesus has given me, the, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And, and Amber, I just want to squeeze every, every single ounce of effort out of this paralyzed body that I possibly can to see that other people with disabilities hear the good news of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Time is short. Amy Carmichael said, we're going to have all of eternity to celebrate the victories, but we've only got a few hours before sunset in which to win them. It's a good word to end on for all of our listeners of Grace Enough podcast, don't you think? Absolutely. Johnny, thank you so much. Was I right? Are you smiling? How about singing? If you have a hymn that resonates deeply with you, I would love to know what it is and a little of the story behind it. Head to YouTube or Instagram and let me know at Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast, two clergy of different traditions. Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.